Here we go again. Vayoimer Hashem el Moishe neteis yodcha al Hashomayim, and Hashem said to Moishe, "Stretch out your hand toward heaven, and there will be hail in the entire land of Egypt, on man and beast, and on all the grass of the field in the land of Egypt." The seventh plague, hail. So Moshe does as instructed. The psukim continue. Moshe stretched out his staff toward heaven. There was hail and fire flaming amid the hail. Strong hail that has never been seen in the entire land of Egypt from the time it became a nation. And then we're treated to a depiction of the destruction. Everything that was in the field, the Pusik says, from man to beast and all the grass of the field, the hail struck. And every tree of the field, it smashed. Except for the land of Goshen where the children of Israel were, there was no hail there. Amazing. So we have this destructive plague and the Egyptians are really getting it. So Power can't take it. He summons Moshe and Aaron and says, please come. I can't take it. I'm a sinner. God's righteous. Me and my people are the wicked ones. Go dive into Hashem. I can't stand the godly thunder and the godly hail. Get out. I don't want to see you again. I surrender. Moshe says, okay. When I leave the city, I'm going to dive into Hashem. I'm going to spread my hands out to him. And it will cease. The hail will no longer be. And then something very odd happens. You'll find this all in the seventh aliyah of our parsha. It's Pasuk Lamid, verse 30. Quote, And as for you and your servants, I know that you are not yet afraid of Hashem, God. Pasuk Lamed Aleph. Shooting off into seemingly a random direction, the flax and the barley were struck, for the barley was ripe and the flax was in its stalk. And the wheat and the spelt, those plants, those crops were not struck. They were not destroyed. Now let's begin with the obvious question. This description of these products, these crops are completely out of place. It was four or five seconds before that the tire was describing all of the different products that were smashed. This is already after Paro has summoned Moshe. He said, y'all leave. I don't know if he said it like that, but he said, get out of here. Moshe says, okay. And only then does the tire revert back to describing which crops were struck. And let's make things even worse. We already got a general description. Are these details really necessary? All that was in the field, was all smashed. It was all wrecked. We have to go back here and put these details in. Is it really necessary? It seems completely extraneous. And here's the knockout punch. In most Chumashim, you'll find that there's a word given at the end of the parsha that has the same numerical value as the amount of psukim, the amount of verses in that parsha, and it kind of summarizes a theme that's going on in the parsha. There are 121 psukim in our sidra, and that is numerically corresponding to the mnemonic give ol. The word give ol is the one selected as the word at the end of our parsha. If you search the entire parsha, you will find this word in none other than our topic. You will find this word as the description for why the pishta and the sa'ira, the flax and the barley, were hit and destroyed. Quote, Give ol is the description of why the flax was destroyed. And that's the word that's picked to summarize our parsha, explains Rib David Feinstein. An idea that can save lives 
and increase your peace of mind. The word give all means rigid. It means firm. It means unwilling to bend. And the Parsha is summarized by this idea because that's what the Egyptians were. Most notably, that's what Paro's mentality was. He was unwilling to change his mind no matter what miraculous events occurred. We're up to the seventh Maka, and he still won't give in. Give all. He was rigid. That's why this word is picked. And he proves this idea from our Pusuk. The flax was destroyed because it was give all. The nature is that when something is very rigid, very hard, and something smashes into it, it just snaps. Bones of a younger person give a little bit. There's a softness to them. So if there's an impact with a football or a basketball, a lot of times it will just bend. But God forbid, it's a tragedy or it can be very dangerous if an elderly person falls over. The bones are less soft, less pliable, and they can snap. And God forbid. Contrary to what we might think, the ability to bend is actually stronger than being unwilling to bend. Being workable, being pliable. That's Amida of Givura. But when it comes to the wheat into the spelt, why were they not destroyed? They blew in the wind. They were able to absorb the impact, to bend like a reed, and then to pop right back up. Being rigid makes you susceptible. The Gemara tells us, A person should always be soft like a reed. You need to bend a little bit. Now, it doesn't mean to be a pushover, to let whatever that's coming your way, just to let it all be. To sit there quietly accepting anything that comes your way, it doesn't mean that at all. To be flexible means to be within the guidelines of Torah law, but to be open to the right way to do things. Maybe I'm not entirely right. Maybe the other person's correct. Maybe there's another way to do things. Maybe I can look at it from a different angle. That's what it means to be flexible. Rach kakana, soft like a reed. It was something that Paro lacked, and it's for that exact reason that the flax did not withstand the hailstorm. Now, there's an interesting occurrence that happens in the tallest buildings in the world. In some of the largest skyscrapers, the engineers are faced with a problem. These buildings must withstand extreme weather. They need to find a way to somehow alleviate the wind pressure. But if they build these buildings rock solid, cement blocks and metal, iron, well, then they'll just crack under the pressure. So skyscrapers are actually designed to sway in the wind. And in some of the research that I did, I found that the Sears Tower of Chicago actually sways about six inches daily. It's unsettling to hear these facts, but this is the way they're designed. It's safer for a building to sway. The Empire State Building, 1.45 inches per day. For a tall structure to remain solid, it needs to sway a little bit. It needs to be flexible. So back to our questions. This isn't the place for the Torah to describe what was destroyed. That was already done before. It missed the opportunity. We also asked, are these details really necessary? And here's where things really take off. So when Moshe is summoned by Paro and he comes in and tells Paro, okay, I will daven so that the hail will no longer be here. And then the Torah jumps to the flax and the barley were struck and all these unnecessary details. That's Moshe Rabbeinu talking. Moshe is telling Paro, look at the destruction. Take a lesson from the flax. Take a lesson from the spelt. If you would give a little bit, if you would see things from a different light, 
you might be saved. Learn to blow in the wind. Be rach kakana. Be soft like a reed. It's unbelievable. These are not out of place, unnecessary descriptions. This is Moshe's soliloquy. Paro, you would have been saved if you would have been willing to change. If you wouldn't have been so rigid like flax. And instead, you would have been more soft like spelt. In times in life, we say, it's my way or the highway. We are so determined that our way is the proper path. We can't see things from other people's point of views. I want chicken. My wife wants salmon for dinner. Be flexible. Learn to blow in the wind. If we can internalize this lesson, then we can absorb even the most brutal of impacts, like icy and fiery hail, and simply absorb the impacts, get knocked down, but then pop right back up. A good Shabbos.